We are walking through the book of 1 Thessalonians and how cool that's been. Paul writing this a long time ago and yet it's relevant for today. Man, it's, that's the Bible. Good stuff. In the days leading up to the war with Germany, the British government commissioned series of posters to be made and printed. The idea was to um, capture encouraging slogans on paper and distribute them around the country just to kind of build morale and strengthen the backbone of the English. And so a simple two-color format was selected, and the only graphic was the crown of King George VI that was on that poster. The first one was distributed in September 1939. It simply said, your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster was, freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. Good stuff. So those two posters appeared up and down the British countryside, railroad, platforms, stores, restaurants, men, wherever you went, you would be able to run into one or two of these posters. So um, the third poster was printed, but it never was distributed. More than two and a half million copies were printed, yet they were never seen until about 60 years later when a bookstore owner in Northeast England discovered one in his box of old books that he had purchased at an auction. It simply read, keep calm and carry on. And it bore the same crown and style of the first two posters and it wasn't released in public because... Uh, there was a reason why it was being held in reserve. And it was for the simple fact, in case there was an extreme crisis that hit England. And that would be an invasion, a land invasion by Germany. Well, you know that never happened, and that's why those posters never were distributed. So this bookstore owner took advantage of the situation. He hung that poster on the wall. And it became so popular from customers coming into the bookstore that he began producing identical images of the original design on coffee mugs, postcards, and even posters. Everybody, it seemed, in England appreciated that simple reminder from one generation to another to keep calm and carry on. Do you think that's relevant for today? I think so. I would say so. And so um, we can do the same. We can't control the weather. We can't uh, undo the, <laughs> our car being wrecked. But we can remember no matter what crises we go through, God is right with us. You know, he never bails out. Never bails out. And so today we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to back up just a few verses where we... We're last week, verse 12, and we'll take it through verse 18. So if you have a Bible, open it. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles somewhere. They're on the back table where you picked up your communion cups, so um, it's always good to follow along. And if you, you're at home, go ahead and grab your Bible and track with us. 
Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other, to all people. Here it is, here it is. Always be joyful. How's that working out for you? Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Notice Paul's not saying if you're not a follower of Christ, these commands, these demands are not on you. No, if you say you're a follower of Christ, these are commands. And Paul is saying that you need to align yourself, your attitude, your mindset with these commands that Paul laid out for us. So Father, we thank you this morning for your word and and uh, some of us may think, well, yeah, I can think of somebody that should read this. And uh, we ignore our own personal experience with you. Lord, help us not do that. We can all learn here and now and apply it to our lives. And at the end of the day, we could say, yes, yes, I am becoming more and more like Christ. I pray, Lord, for each person in this room, those that are watching, if they're under a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, I pray that they would remind themselves to keep calm and carry on because you are with them. So we thank you. Thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul had a lot of time to think about the next life, man. He, you know, he, he's writing from Corinth this letter to the church of Thessalonica. It's a new church, a lot of young believers, new believers. And um, he, he wrote this uh, back in AD 51. But I want to I kind of jump uh, into the future with his life because um, reading chapter 5 in, in this letter... Um, there's something that resonates within me, this, this challenge that Paul is giving to the church. And that very simply is that I want to finish strong spiritually in my walk with Christ. And you hear me say that over and over again, and I'm saying it for accountability, one of the reasons. And I'm saying it to um, myself to encourage my core and steal it towards the fact that no matter what happens in this world, I want to finish strong in my relationship with Christ. Paul is basically doing the same thing. As he writes a letter to Timothy, and it's, uh, it's 2 Timothy um, chapter 4. Paul's been going through the ringer, so to speak. He's endured all kinds of suffering. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Oh, man, he had a target, I mean, the full-size human target on his body. And um, he knew he was eventually facing execution. His days were numbered. And through all this, his faith gave him confidence that, um, you know, the courage, I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to finish strong until my final breath. And so in 67 AD, he's in a Roman dungeon. It's cold, man. It's, he's alone and this is the last letter he writes before he is put to death. And he, if you could sneak into to that 
that cell, he, he picks up a pen and he's smiling while he's writing. Now, just imagine that. Your body has been abused from torture and beatings and all kinds of things. And yet he knows things are coming to an end. And so he's smiling because he knows he's finishing strong. And so let's read that. Let's read as Paul is in this prison cell. Let's see what he has to say. Woe is me. I want you to feel sorry for me. Get out the violin, man, and play it. Play it strong. No, 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 that's not where he's going. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which, is the, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's you and me, friend. If we're looking forward to his appearing, that's what Paul says. This prize, it's not just for him, but for all who are eagerly looking forward to his appearing. Are you eagerly looking forward to the Lord's coming? Yes or no? Yeah. Yo. Yeah, man. Yo. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But I get it. I get it, Lord, because you have tremendous amount of patience for the world, just like you showed us in John 12. Man, you're waiting for people to put their faith in you. That's your heartbeat. That's what you want. And so... Paul is writing Timothy and he says, I fought the good fight and I have finished the race. You know, it's not how you start. It's not how you start this race, this relationship with Jesus. Maybe you, you went to summer camp. Maybe you went to a retreat. Maybe you had an experience with God, boom, man, and you were going full steam ahead. How's it going now? I, I was thinking uh, last night uh, before the Badger-Michigan game, um, I went to the internet and they had a matchup predictor. You ever see one of those? The round and percentage, okay. Matchup predictor. Well, it was 87.8% in favor of Wisconsin of winning that game. Pretty good odds. And 12.2% for Michigan. A matchup predictor. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his heart is it will be 100% predictable for you to finish strong. That's his heart. But here's the deal. Because it's a relationship, and you know any relationship you have <clears throat> as a human being, there's an investment to be made if you want that relationship to thrive, right? Right? you got to put time into it. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to experience victory. I am saying 100%, hands down, you will finish strong. But he leaves that decision up to you. And I don't know about you, man, but over the years of being a follower of Christ, and I'm not puffing myself up or patting myself on the back, but you see casualties along the way, don't you? Hmm? The spiritual casualties, 
People get distracted. Life beats them up so bad they just abort their relationship with Jesus. Life's not fair. God's not fair. Whatever the case may be, people struggle. And I can tell you, man, even this past week, uh, I, I read my Bible not because I was fired up about it. I did it out of habit because it's become a habit. I don't, I don't feel, you, you might say, the spiritual goosebumps, you know? Some people live their, their relationship on feelings, and feelings will never hold up, friend. Feelings come and go. It's faith. It's faith. And Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's, he's realizing that these new believers are, are, are struggling somewhat. You know? They're, they're, they're facing persecution. And so, listen... It's not how you start your walk with Christ. It's how you finish it. That's what's important. And I want to encourage you today, together, as Life Church, man, let's, let's grab each other and say, we're going to finish strong. Let's root for each other, man. Let's do it. So, so uh, Looking back at last week, uh, you've got the outline in front of you. We talked about live in the light now, not tomorrow, but right now. We, we thank you, Jesus, for rescuing us. He, he, he got us off the beach when a tsunami wave was coming because we put our faith in him. He brought us to high ground, to the cross. Three, we stay involved, verse 11. It's not time to check out. It's not time to take a break spiritually. Number four, strong support for leaders. Um, we hit that as well. And as we continue uh, in chapter five, we realize that this, this outline that Paul has presented to the church, uh, it's not addressed just to leaders. It is a, it, it's for every believer to live like this in these last days. Every believer. You can't say, well, I'm, you know, that's for so-and-so. No, no, it, it's for you. It's for me. And so together we, we jump on and say, yes, Lord, I am going to pursue you as Paul walks us through and how we should live our lives before the coming of the Lord. We want to, if we're going to finish strong, Paul is giving us a formula, so to speak, to stay strong in that relationship. So are you ready to press on today. <laughs> All right. So, so here's a model for staying strong. Um, verse 13b, and live peacefully with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy and encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. So number one, we hit this last week, live peacefully with each other. Notice it doesn't say live peacefully by yourself. See that? Yeah. Live peacefully with each other. 
how does that happen? It, it happens when we move on behind this selfish attitude. It's about me. You know, it's all about me. What I need, what I want. No, no, no. No, it's what God wants. That's what's important. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants in and through my life. And so Paul is saying to the church, yeah, I, I know some of you are struggling, but, but in this body of Christ, pursue living at peace with each other. And I, honestly, I think that's a great challenge for the body of Christ in America today. It really is. This is not a time to polarize each other, you know, point fingers, no, 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 no. No, we are under the banner of Christ. He is my commanding officer. He tells me how I should live. And because I am underneath his authority, I obey. Not because I have to, but because I know he loves me and I love him back. Our son and his wife had a baby last week. So I'll, I'll pull back the veneer here. He, uh, he sends out a, a, a text Monday morning. He said, I woke up singing this song, Our God Reigns. Well, little do we know, his son was named Rain, you know. But well, that's not where it stops. His middle name is Robert. And so, and so uh, everybody who's got a name Bob in here, we know we've got a Bob Club, you know, because Bob, that is not a popular name in our culture today. I don't know why. It's easy. It spells the same forward or backward, man. Everybody should name their son Bob. Don't you think? <laughs> Indeed. Some of you are in the lights going on right now. Paul says live peacefully. How many are you going to live peacefully? Yo. With the help of Almighty God. With the help of his spirit living in and through my life. I will be at peace with all people. Number two, warn the lazy. 14a, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. We hit that last week. It was military soldiers really usurping the commanding officer. They were doing their own thing. I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. Paul says that's the word lazy. That's what it means in the Greek. It's, it's a military term. You're not coming in line with your commanding officer. And so Paul says you need to warn those people. Notice it doesn't say the leaders warn those people, the body of Christ. We have a responsibility one to another. If we see some veering off the rails, out of love we go. In humility we go and say, I care about you, man. And it's time to get back where we need to be. Because I, I tell you, there's times if I need encouragement, you need encouragement, we come behind each other, beside each other, and we get through it together. All right, number three, encourage the timid. Verse 14b, encourage those who are timid. The word in, 
Courage is the same word Paul uses in verse 12. In the Greek, it means to come alongside with helpful instruction and insight. And um, so Paul says the lazy need to be warned, but the timid need to be encouraged. You see that? So you can't use the same recipe for everybody because everybody's at a different place in their walk with Christ. So we need to encourage them. Timid, timid. <clears throat> Paul, Paul is saying these are people that really are living in fear. Uh, they lack confidence in themselves or even in their faith with Christ. They're, they're struggling spiritually. Maybe they've become discouraged. They become worried. The, the events of the world around them have, have pushed them back into a corner. And they've got their head down and their arms are hanging low and their knees are bent. And Paul is saying they need some loving instruction from their fellow believers, those that are maybe more mature in their faith, to calm their fears and build their confidence in the Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. Number four, care for the weak, 14C. Take tender care of those who are weak. That's an interesting, take tender care. Do you see that? Take tender care. It means to help, to hold on to these people, to wrap your arms around them, to cling to them. And this is the kind of help suggested for the spiritually weak. And uh, once again, Paul is saying we need to give that right medicine to the, to, to the individual. We need to be sensitive to God's spirit. Number five, be patient. Be patient with everyone. This is the glue that holds every relationship together. In a, anytime you've got a group of people gathered together, godly patience is always required. <laughs> Aren't you glad everybody's not like you? Hmm? I'm glad everybody's not like me. It would be a creepy world. We're all different. We're all different. And so we need, we need to be, we need to be patient and lean on the Lord. Lord, give me patience because, again, we don't know where this individual that's struggling, what they're going through right now. Believers can't write off the lazy, timid, or weak, even if it means investing a lot of time and energy in them. On the contrary, Paul is saying great patience has to be exercised. That word patient means long-suffering, and uh, it's a characteristic of love. God is patient. We've already addressed that today. God is patient with people, so his people should be patient with God's people. <laughs> God gives us help being patient. I have to tell you, I, um, about 10, 10 days ago, I was reading through Jeremiah uh, chapter 25, and this really jumped out at me. This is what it says. In verse 1, the message for all the people of Judah came to Jeremiah from the Lord during the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign over Judah. This was the year when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon began his reign. Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people in Judah and Jerusalem, 
listen to this now, verse 3. For the past 23 years, from the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until now, the Lord has been giving me his messages. 23 years. Jeremiah said, I have been giving these people in Israel the words that God spoke to me. 23 years. What did they do with those words that God gave to Jeremiah? I have faithfully passed them on to you, but he says, but you have not listened. Again and again, the Lord has sent you his servants, the prophets, but you have not listened or even paid attention. Each time the message was this, turn from the evil road you are traveling and from the evil things you are doing. Only then will I let you live in this land that the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever. Don't, do not provoke my anger by worshiping idols you made with your own hands. Then I will not harm you, verse 7, but you will not listen to me, says the Lord. I don't know about you, but man, that breaks my heart. God says, for 23 years, I have been warning you, the tsunami wave is coming. And you got stuck in your beach chairs, man. Is 23 years fair, would you say? Huh? Is that fair? It's more than fair. It's beyond fair. And God's spirit even today is crying out saying, the tsunami wave is coming, man. Put your faith in Christ. 23 years, God was patient. Would you say that God was patient? I think so. I think so. We need to ask the Lord for his patience and use it. Number six, don't retaliate. Verse 15a, see that no one pays back evil for evil. And some of you are thinking, doggone it. I had a plan. I was going to slit their tires tomorrow. I had this scheme, man. I was going to get back. I, they deserve to get paid back. And some of you are just kind of thinking, oh, doggone it. Oh, man. Here's the church Paul is writing to. They're under persecution. And Paul is saying, don't retaliate. Personal revenge, uh, retaliation, it is forbidden for followers of Christ. You should just wipe it out from your head. Even though you, they were under Roman oppression, they wanted retaliation for their hated enemies, you know? They were thinking about it. So what happens? Jesus shows up and listen to what he has to say about retaliation. He says in Matthew 5, 39, but I say, do not resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. All right, Montaniel, here it is, man. Here it is right here. No, it's okay. Thank you. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is, is that normal? No, that's not normal. That's, that's abnormal. That's going against the grain with human nature. And that's the cool thing about Jesus. That's how, he, that's how he teaches us. You pray for your enemies. Yeah, if they hit you, give them the other cheek. Man, oh man. I tell you, I go back to Richard Wormbrand, Tortured for Christ, that movie. 
When the Russians came in and occupied Romania, they're torturing Christians, man. They're, they're killing Christians. And Richard says, man, we're praying for these Russians. We want them to put their faith in Christ. We're trying to tell these Russian soldiers about Jesus. Isn't that, it doesn't make sense. But that's the love of Christ. When we model it, we don't retaliate. We don't get even. We pray for those who persecute us. Case in point, in 1882, I know that's before your time, a New York City businessman named Joseph Richardson owned a narrow strip of land on Lexington Avenue. How narrow was it? Well, I'll tell you. Thanks for asking. It was five feet wide and 104 feet deep. I think we'd all say that's pretty narrow, you know. There was another businessman named Hyman Sarner who owned a normal-sized lot adjacent to Richardson's skinny one, and he wanted to build apartments on his land that fronted the avenue. So, so Joseph's land was right on the corner. It was right on the edge of this block. And so... Um, because he wanted to build apartments, he offered Richardson $1,000 for that narrow plot of land. It seemed fair. Well, Richardson was offended by the amount, and he demanded, I want $5,000 for this skinny lot. And Sarner refused, and Richardson called Sarner a tightwad and slammed the door in his face. Ticked him off. Sarner assumed that land would remain vacant. I mean, how could you build anything? Five feet wide, you know? How could you, how could you do it? So he instructed the architect to design the apartment building with windows overlooking the avenue. But when Richardson saw this finished building, he resolved to block that view on purpose. No one was going to enjoy a free view over his lot line. And so the 70-year-old Richardson, what's he do? He builds a house. It's five feet wide. It's 104 feet long. It's four stories high. I'll show you. He got two suites on each of those floors, and upon completion, he and his wife moved into one of the suites. Now imagine trying to go up the stairway, one person at a time. <laughs> How could you get your furniture moved into a place like that? Uh, the dining room table, man, it was a swapping, 18 inches wide. Come on over, let's have Thanksgiving together. My little termite table. <laughs> Sounds like fun. You know what the building was named? The Spite House. The Spite House. Yeah, Richardson spent the last 14 years of his life in the narrow residence that seemed to fit his narrow state of mind, and it fit him perfectly. The good news was the Spite House was torn down in 1915, but it sure seems like it's still standing today. I mean, honestly, there's times I feel like moving into the spite house, don't you? Huh? I want to get even, you know? They deserve to get paid back. Yeah, we, yeah. Revenge will build a lonely house. It will. Space enough for one person, yes. And the lives of those who live in the spite house, it's, um, it's reduced to one goal, and that's to make somebody miserable. And it's usually they do. And it's in themselves. 
they make themselves miserable. And God knows that. And Paul knew that. And no wonder God insists in Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other, said, none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Colossians 3.13 Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hey, maybe it's time to move out of the spite house. Hmm? Are you living in a spite house? Maybe it's time to move out. It's time to move to the grace house. There's a lot more room there. Huh? God's grace house? Yeah, man. Yeah, a lot more room, and God's pouring his grace. Paul says, see, that no one pays back evil for evil. And so, how do we apply this to our lives? November 2020. Are we living peacefully? Ask yourself, am I living peacefully? How's that going? Am I lazy? Am I not lining myself up behind the Lord and what he wants me to do? Am I encouraging the timid? Do I see somebody that needs to be encouraged? Am I, am I involved in that process? Am I caring for the weak? Or am I ignoring them? How's my patience working out? Huh? How's that working out? Am I patient? Or is my blood pressure about right here right now? Okay. Don't retaliate. But it's so much fun. No, no. Not as a follower of Christ. You pray for your enemies. That's what Paul is saying. You, you give them grace. You, you give grace to your enemies. Show them the love of Christ. So, Father, we thank you today for the opportunity we've had to come under your word, Lord. And we realize that it's tough, it's challenging to live this way that Paul has laid out for your church. And we're grateful that we don't have to do this on our own, Lord. We can trust you to help us through your spirit where the fruit of your Holy Spirit is evident in our lives. And, and so, how, how, does, how does this work? Lord, we realize that by spending time in you, we sang about it earlier, something happens when I worship Jesus. Something happens when I come into the Lord's presence. Something happens. I'm changed if I let the Lord do it. And so today we quietly, humbly present ourselves under your authority, Lord. We, we have been challenged. We have been convicted by your spirit in areas maybe we've compromised in areas where we've just been sitting in that beach chair doing nothing. And in the process, our relationship with you has been suffering. 
So Lord, help us to be engaged on purpose because we want to finish strong. And we thank you for your grace today. And before we close out, before we close out, maybe you have never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've been sitting in that beach chair on the, on the ocean, just letting life go by, waiting, waiting, procrastinating, and Jesus is walking up and down. Put your faith in me today. It's time. And you can take that opportunity right here, right now, and say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you. Thank you for paying my sin debt in full. And Lord, because you paid my debt in full, you're extending this gift freely to me. And this morning, Lord, I'm not rejecting you. I'm going to receive that free gift of forgiveness, of salvation, of eternal life with you. I'm receiving it, Lord. I'm putting all my faith and what you accomplished on the cross for me. And because of that, Lord, I say thank you for forgiving my sins. Done. Thank you for that gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that I can live for you the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for going to the cross in my place. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.